Welcome to the Save Your Marriage by Restoring the Man podcast, dedicated to all the men who are going through marital problems and want to save their marriages, with host Arturo Henriquez and sponsored by The Fortified Spouse. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this podcast. You know, sometimes we talk about the mindsets that have you stuck. Sometimes we talk about the techniques of how to get unstuck, and sometimes we talk about what the real nature of this problem is, why we get into trouble in marriages. Why is it that we're still at almost a coin toss in determining whether a marriage is going to make it or not? 50% on average make it, 50% end up in divorce, statistically speaking. Now, that doesn't speak to your situation. You aren't faced with just the randomness of an acquaintance. There are things you can do to make sure that your marriage is moving in the direction you want to, no matter where it's been, no matter if your spouse is already beginning to check out or even tells you they've checked out and want a divorce. There are some ways that you can move forward. The most powerful way, obviously, is if both people are moving forward together. But the second best option is when one person decides to move forward in spite of where the other spouse is. Now, one of the things I've, I've observed is that sometimes people get focused on the wrong things when they're trying to save a relationship. And as I hear those, I notice they fall into really three different categories that you want to think about. I notice the focus during the midst of a crisis tends to be on the symptoms, the self or the struggle. Those are the three areas, the symptoms, the self or the struggle. And those aren't where we want to put our attention ever. We want to put our attention on three other areas. So let's talk through the places where people do get stuck. The first one is symptoms. I've talked to many men, many people, women as well, um, and they all talk about the symptoms. And one, one in particular says, this is what's wrong with my marriage. One was because of an affair. A spouse was involved in an affair, and they said, that's what's wrong with our relationship. Another person, another man tried to tell me that it was all about their communication. That was the problem. The symptom was they couldn't communicate together. They couldn't sit in and have a good conversation because of all the anger that would erupt. No matter what they talked about, it unfolded into an argument. And so in the process of that, they found it frustrated, you know, frustrating to even try to have a conversation. And in the evolving pattern of conflict, they felt, you know, they felt like the real issue was communication. That wasn't the case, though. That's a symptom. Just like the person that's having an affair, that's a, a symptom as well. I talked to another person who just said that over the years, they've just grown stagnant, bored with each other, and now they don't know what to do because now the kids have left. They're on their own. Uh, the kids are growing up by themselves. And what are they supposed to do now that they don't have the kids? There's just nothing left. And she said, I just think that we've grown apart now. Grown apart is one of those symptoms that we often hear. So let's just think through the symptoms. I just talked about the symptom of infidelity, the symptom of communication skills, and the symptom of growing apart. Those are the three big places that people look to and say, that's the problem. But again, those are symptoms of an underlying issue. Now, another symptom is the self. What I mean by that is in the midst of a marriage crisis, sometimes people get focused on the self. What do I want out of this? And so they'll say to a spouse, 
You can't leave me. You have to stay. It's not fair what you're doing. I don't want to be left alone. How dare you do this to me? Now notice that all of those are self-referenced. It's what I'm going to lose. It's natural for us to do that. But in the midst of a struggle, it's the last thing a spouse wants to hear. Imagine if everything you're conveying is about what you want out of the relationship or what you don't want to lose from a fractured relationship. There's not a lot there that sounds very enticing to a spouse who is also stuck in self-mode. You see, the symptom of focusing on the self, the focus on the self comes from a place of loss of connections, of loss of sense of being in it together. So when we're saying, when you're saying you can't take this from me or you need to give me this, the fracture gets deeper because the spouse is thinking the exact same thing. You're not loving me the way I want to be loved is when we start focusing on the self. You need to give me what I want is a focus on the self. And there, there's this place, another place where we often see the focus on and it's the struggle. Couples start looking at only places where they're struggling. And so I often hear people say, you know, if it was meant to be, it shouldn't be this hard. We shouldn't be fighting. We shouldn't be struggling. Many times they get so focused on the struggle that they don't see all of the times when they are not in a place of that struggle. One of the places that the focus on the struggle comes out is when I hear people say, we have nothing in common. After all these years, we have nothing in common. We only have the struggle. Now, nothing in common is interesting to me. You know, the other day I was talking with a couple who had been married for 20 years and they told me that they had nothing in common anymore. And I said, you have a big house together, right? And they said, yes. And I said, you all have investments and resources that are together, right? And they said, yes. And I said, you all have several kids together, right? And they said, yes. And I said, you all have gone on multiplications together. In fact, you've got, you just got back from vacation that you were together in, right? And they said, yes. And I said, you've had lots of experiences together over the years. And they said, yes. And you, in many ways, have integrated in each other's families. I mean, you go to the events and you treat each other's families as partly your family. And they say, yes. And I said, you have friends that gather together and your friends with both groups, right? And they said, yes. And I said, you're members of different organizations together. I mean, you, you go to the same church together. You go to the same different places together, correct? And they said, yes. And I said, tell me how you see that you don't have anything in common, that you don't share anything. The fact is that the, you know, they had gotten focused on a few things that they're not sharing in common. They admitted that they didn't have a hobby that they enjoyed together. They didn't have some activity that they did together. So they focused on that, what they didn't have. They admitted that they had incompatibilities in what they wanted out of their physical life. And instead of negotiating that, they just decided they didn't have that in common. They had different love languages, so they decided that they, they didn't have that in common either. And they got so focused on the struggle that they missed all of the places that they actually did have, not just in common, but intermingled together. And that's the interesting thing. When there's a crisis, we often end up focused on the pieces that divide us. We look at the symptoms of one thing and we look at the loss that might happen to each person, the self. How, does, how is this going to affect me? And the last thing we often look at is the struggle point. So if that's the case, what do we do differently? 
But one of the things I've noticed is that sometimes when people get focused on those three wrong things, what they decide to do is go harder at them. They see if they can find an activity together, and they push it, they force it. See if they can convince a spouse to see what they're about to lose as a self. See if they can focus more and more on the symptom. And in the process, they end up further and further into their struggle. If you've ever been rafting, you probably know that as the stream picks up, you have to be a little bit more cautious. But imagine yourself on the river, you're paddling along and you suddenly realize that you're headed right for the waterfall. I would just ask if the right thing to do is to paddle harder towards the waterfall. Or would it be better to do something different? Because one other solution is to go harder against the waterfall. You, you turn around and try to go upstream. That would be another solution. Both would be kind of counterintuitive, don't you think? Some years ago, a long, long time ago, I was out on the river, and it was kind of an early day uh, in the paddling season. Um, and I was a beginner in paddling, and it was a pretty fast-flowing river. And so I stepped onto the paddleboard. I started paddling up towards the river. Right in the corner of that river is a restaurant that overlooks the river. I'm not sure if the restaurant's still there anymore. This is a long time ago. Uh, but there was a, a restaurant that overlooks the river and has this nice bluff that drops down to the river banks onto the docks. And as I was paddling up, I had failed to notice that since it was a weekend, it was going to be, I was going to be paddling right by so many people who had been waiting for a beautiful day to be out looking at the water and eating their food. And so I paddled by, I looked over and saw all these people all around the ground, and then I turned into the river. Now, I was told that the best thing to do was first to go paddle upriver first, knowing that you'll have less energy coming the other way around. And so I paddled upriver, and then I turned around and kind of had a nice little coast back. And so that day I kicked out into the river and started paddling upstream. Now, as I was looking down, not wanting to be noticed by anybody up on the banks and not wanting to notice that I was being noticed, I started looking down. And I started, you know, I started paddling. And I was so proud of myself because the water was passing by me so fast. And I was paddling so well. I was paddling hard. And I was feeling pretty good. I actually felt like I was a professional, you know, paddler, which obviously I'm a beginner. I paddled maybe once or twice before that in my life. And after many, 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 many minutes of paddling hard to get around the bed from the restaurant, I looked up. I finally put my head up. Uh, and I looked over and I realized that I hadn't moved at all. In fact, maybe I lost a couple of feet. I had basically been on a treadmill of the paddle because the downstream was coming so fast that I was not able to go upstream. And I suddenly realized that everybody had been watching me make zero movement. Now, during that time, I stopped paddling and I immediately started shifting to go downstream. And I kind of acted like I meant that, right? Like I needed the exercise and that's what I was doing. So I started going downstream. Um, and as Karashi Omi says, rowing harder doesn't help if the boat is headed in the wrong direction, right? So back to that example, hearing the waterfall, you don't want to paddle towards it, but you're not going to win if you're paddling against the stream, you know, after a while. It's going to win. The stream is going to win. In this case, the river had totally beaten me. So you might want to head for safety. You might not want to go upstream. You certainly don't want to charge downstream towards the waterfall. 
So you may want to do something different, which is in this case, head for safety. You might want to take action that pulls you away from where the stream is taking you instead of fighting it or going with it, which means that we have to change our focus. So what can we focus on? Let me suggest that there are three areas that you can focus that break you out of the crisis mode and get you moving to something that can be healthy, helpful, and healing for your relationship. First thing to recognize is the underlying issue is about connection in the relationship. That is the lifeblood of any relationship. So when we look at the symptoms, what we're looking at are the symptoms of disconnection. Affairs happen for the most part because of disconnection. It leaves relationships vulnerable. It requires also a loss of boundaries. But between the two people, the issue, the underlying issue is that there is a disconnection. The same is true for communication. When we're communicating with someone with whom we have a strained connection, we generally don't have the best communication. We generally get stuck in the last thing, that struggle that comes along. Not only that, but when we're disconnected, we're focused on what's hurting us, where we're hurting. So the way through that is to focus on the underlying issue itself of how do you rebuild the connection? How do you rebuild the connection on a physical level, an emotional level, a spiritual level? Those are the three levels of connection. In fact, there's many more. We, we, in the Fortified Spouse Program, we have many more domains, as we call them. How do you heal the broken connection between the two of you in all these domains? Remember that we humans are wired for that connection. It's something that we crave. It's something that we have to have. But when it's not there, it leaves us feeling wounded and needy for that connection. So once we start healing that underlying disconnection, we, you know, when we move towards connection, we find a better place for both people. Now, the second piece is to focus on change, changing yourself, changing how you relate in the relationship. One of the things that is true about all of us as humans is we grow stagnant over time. If we're not careful, we stop growing in adulthood. Now, it's easy to see kids growing. There's so much that they have to take on every time they step into something. It's just a vast expanse of newness for them. And then at some point, you kind of go, okay, I've got this. I've got life. I'm finished with the change. And I would just suggest that we as humans are built for continuing to grow through our life. You know, Ray Kroc used to say, that we're either green and growing or ripe and rotting. That's only two choices, green and growing or ripe and rotting. So we have a choice there. We can continue to be green and growing, looking for new things, new places for us to grow into, or we can allow ourselves to decide that we've gotten there, that we've arrived somehow. That's true in a relationship and it's true in our personal life that there's always a place for us to bring in more energy into our own lives. As we focus more on where do I need to change? Where do I need to find better ways? Remember that many of the ways that we once used to react and act no longer serve us. We tend to have mental you know, models of how to go through things. And we start looking at how we go through life. We sometimes recognize that the mental models that we've used in the past, our ways of doing things in the past, are no longer serving us in the present. We just don't take the time to find something better. It's easier to blame something or something or you know, someone else, like a spouse, than to look and say, how do I need to adapt? How do I need to grow? 
How do I change my mental modes and grow into new mental modes? How do I need to change my life? How do I need to grow? Which brings us to the last area of focus, and that is creating. Creating a new path for your relationship. One of the danger points I see for people is they come to me and they say, I just want to go back to where I was, to where we were, to where our relationship was a week ago, a month ago, you know, a year ago, five years ago, you know, somewhere in the past. And my response is that that's not where people want to go. They need to go to a new place. Because it's if you just go back to the place where you were before you hit a crisis, that place is what got you to the crisis. So you have to find a better way a different path. As I talk about it, it's about becoming a we and growing as a we. Something many people either never go to or never held on to. So the task is to find a new path to something else rather than focusing on those symptoms or focusing on what the self wants or the self is afraid to lose or focusing on the struggle. When we make a shift to working on rebuilding the connection, to changing ourselves and growing into the, the better person that we need to be, and then creating a new path for our relationship. When we focus on that right place, things fall into place. And that's when where you influence the other person. And they become part of the process of change. And part of the process of change is becoming a we again. And that's how you mend marriages. You know, I always say, yes, two people need to be involved in saving a relationship, but it doesn't have to start with two people. It takes one to start. You can't change the other person, but you can influence them. And you do that by showing them new path, by creating a new you, by changing the old habits, by changing the old mental modes and creating new ones so that you create new connections, right? And those new connections are where they, your spouse is now being influenced and now they're in the process of change. And that's how you change the relationship. We start finding ourselves paddling to the safe places as we're rushing downstream, paddling to a place where both people are working together to get to a better place. Now, those elements are important for you to know because you want to step back and ask the question, have you been focusing on the wrong things? Have you been focusing on the symptoms of disconnection in your relationship? Have you been focusing on what you're afraid to lose and trying to pull what you want back into the relationship? Instead of asking the question, what's better for us today and going forward? The last thing that many times is that the focus has, has become that struggle when we focus on the struggle. You get lost in that struggle. So the question is, if you've been focusing on the wrong thing and if you have to make a shift, to begin to focus on the connection between you and your spouse of healing that connection, of asking the question, who do I want to become? How do I want to change in my own life? And finally, to look at how you can start creating a new path for your relationship, even if you're the one who is starting down the path before your spouse joins you. Thank you for listening. If you're hurting, if you're lost, if you're in despair, you need to understand what is actually going on. You need to get the tools to become confident, independent of your wife. You need to get the tools to better communicate. You need to get the tools to deal with your emotions. You need to get the tools to manage her reactions. You need to get the tools to deal with your insecurities and your triggers. 
You need to get the tools to become a better version of yourself. You need to start to make decisions that are empowered instead of disempowered. So if you're facing decisions, if you're facing this anxiety, what do I do? How do I respond when my wife is being toxic? I don't know what to do. My wife doesn't love me. I don't know what to do. My wife is cheating on me. I don't know what to do. She wants a separation or a divorce. I don't know what to do. Well, we can help you find those answers and give you those tools. Now, if you're interested in learning more about these tools, how to stabilize the marriage, how to postpone and delay the divorce or separation so you can work on yourself and save your marriage, how to start making changes to you, how to start building confidence, how to start being an empathetic listener, how to communicate, how to build trust, how to change your context, how to build desire, and so many other things you need to do to become a better man, to become a better husband, to become a better father, to save your marriage, to win your wife back, then I invite you to take part in the Fortified Spouse program. Go to fortifiedspouse.com and enroll in the program. The program is going to change your life. It's going to make you a better man. It's going to restore the man in you, and it's going to save your marriage. This is Arturo Henriquez, and thank you for listening. You have been listening to the podcast, Save Your Marriage by Restoring the Man. For further information, visit the Fortified Spouse at www.fortifiedspouse.com. Thank you.